<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of Real Euro Football Talk. This is actually episode 15. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't think we'd be going this far into this, but, you know, it's a train that just keeps on rolling. So we're sitting here again in Robinsburg. It is essentially day two in quarantine, but us having to wear the masks. Because up until this point, I really didn't care what was happening as long as I could get my groceries, you know, continue to get fat. But now we're sitting here day two, and I'm sitting here with Coach Sebastian. How's everything going? Yeah, another day in paradise. And um, I hope every Razorbacks fans and all the teams out there, you're buying uh, the mask from your local team because all the teams, they're having a lot of need support. And when you buy a mask, one or two heroes uh, follow into your team you anyway support. So that can be help a lot of teams. So please do it. I heard for the Razorbacks, uh, a lot of them already sold out. But... Uh, the next um, and I'm not selling mine coming yeah no we don't sell ours no we don't sell mine ours. has corona on it don't say it too you mean the beer right <laughs> yeah so today we have the pleasure of having Mr. Simon Gavanda if people don't know who he is he is the recently retired he basically gave up football okay, <laughs> for his married life so congratulations on the wedding last August, I believe it was, right? Correct. Thank and you. then up until recently, you played for the Kalanda Broncos as a European import, and you also serve as a research associate for the EST, right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. How's everything going with you? Sitting up there in paradise with the, with the <laughs> wife, day in and day out, writing your paper? Yeah, more or less. She's still working, so the whole day I'm alone. And yeah, concerning my work, nothing has changed much because... I'm a, I'm a computer hero, always working from home, but yeah, the situation is good. I have her less around than before Corona. <laughs> um, how's everything feel right now? Just the fact that, I mean, up until last year, you basically played your, your last year of football and now you're focused more on your career and everything. Yeah, I have, I thought when I quit football, I have more time for everything. So that, that part is true. Huh? especially in, in addition to Corona. Um, and the good thing about Corona situation for me is that, that it's easy now to quit because nobody's playing. I thought when it's getting May or April and everybody's posting on Instagram their, their highlight videos and pictures of them playing, it would be hard for me to say, nah, I'm, I'm really quitting. I'm really mm -hmm. done with it. So uh, that helps because if there's going to be a season next year, I'm 33 and that's an age after almost one and a half years of no football, I will not start again. <laughs> right, 100%. I mean, that's like the biggest thing you notice right now where it's like, it's just dead. Especially for a guy like you, stepping away from the game, like like you said, you're not going to have that real itch. Um, because like, I was going to ask you that. You're 32 years old and I mean, you've been playing for how long? Uh, from 2003, so, so 16, 15 years. It's a long time. Especially it is quits <laughs> or not quits, but to step away from the game rather. Yeah, true. Yeah, so, I was doing a little bit of research. We talked about it in the in the pre-talk, but you originally played for the uh, Feldbach Warriors, and I believe they still exist, from what I found. Yeah. I mean, what, what level was that back then when you started off? So the the Feldbach Warriors were found, I think, in two thousand one or two or three, maybe. So it was a brand new team when I started there. 
even the the juniors team was was uh, the first one ever where I started to play, and that was the main reason why I went there. Because I said, if I pick up a new sport after swimming, I want to really play and not just sit there for for a year or two on the bench. And you all the time heard the stories about the Stuttgart Scorpions, where you're not allowed to play until you have a certain body weight type or play for a long time. So that's why I chose the Fairbach Warriors, and it was the, the first junior season. We did not win a single single game. Uh-huh. I think we only had like one or two touchdowns the whole season. Yeah. But it was fun because uh, if you're on the field with 11 guys and 10 of them never played football in their life before, um, you will never forget that. For example, in my first game, I wanted to pick up the, the flag of the ref and hand it to him. And he was really mad about it. <laughs> I get it now, but back then I just wanted to be friendly. <laughs> no, but I mean, that's interesting. You, you said you came from swimming because I saw that actually on the on the EST website. It has a little short biography about you, and they said you came from swimming. I mean, how did that happen? How many years were you swimming, and then what made you say, like, you want to do football, football? Because like you said, you wanted to play, but yeah. there could have been other sports you could have chosen. Two. Um, so I started swimming right after they taught me to swim. So at the age of six or seven, um, because my, my older brother was swimming already. So you don't question it. You just go there and, and join him in practice or training. Um, so I swam from six or seven until I turned 17, 18, something around that. So in the first two years, I even did both. So I went to swimming practice in the morning sometimes in the holidays. And in the evening, I went to football practice and I did it for one or two years. And then I figured maybe it's not the best combination. Um, so, yeah, why did, did I choose football? Um, I, I really wanted to stop swimming because training is so freaking boring. So you, you go to the pool like five to seven, seven times a week. In addition, you have uh, strength training and gymnastics. And um, then on the weekends, you are in a... In a public pool or a Hallenbad for the whole day. And then you have to celebrate about a quarter of a second if you get better. So I was looking around for other sports. Um, water polo was my first choice, of course, because after swimming, that would be the, the best fit. But uh, a, a former swimmer friend of mine from another team, he told me about the Faber Forest, that they have a, a tryout. And uh, if I want to go with him, to, to try it out and I said yeah why not so he did not start football but I did and so I fell in love from the first time practicing that's what I always say that's very interesting I mean because you don't really I mean from what I heard you don't really see a lot of people that let's say were swimmers and then they jump into let's say a contact sport I mean that's, <laughs> that's completely different so I mean yeah. how was that for you now because at some point I mean, you 100% you develop some sort of love for it because you've been playing it this long and especially at such a high level, especially with your commitment as a player. Yeah, I've, well, for, for swimming, I was always one of the bigger guys. I still remember when we were in training camp and, and we I had to step on the scale every day before practice. And I was the heaviest guy with uh, 32 kilos. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is in pound. What is it? 180, 190? I don't know. You said how many kilos? 72 72 oh no that's even less it's 160 170 uh probably around there yeah 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 so i was i was big for a swimmer that age so that was really weird um but since i did judo a little time i always knew that i like contact and like really really fight people i love that because i have an older brother maybe and um (laughs) 
except for the body weight, um, you get a good coordination if you start swimming. And I did uh, a lot of uh, gymnastics and uh, you have a little, yeah, we had some sort of strength training, not like big time get stronger, but in addition to swimming. So um, the first year I even had to play O-line with my 74 kilos then, okay. uh, just just because I knew balance and, and uh, picked up techniques pretty quick. So that helps. And 16 is a good age, maybe to start football. I was never the, the fastest guy because swimmers only can swim. If you let them run or jog, they, they will hurt themselves. Um, but I picked it up pretty, pretty quick technique wise, but uh, the body development took a while. So I think I hit the first time 100 kilos. That's the magic, magic uh, number for me for D line in 2008, I think. Okay. So yeah, I got there not fast uh with body wise so yeah i even played my first gfl game i still remember it with 87 kilos as defensive end when, when was this back in 2006 i think you said 2006 when i moved up from the juniors yes there was a 60 60 zero lead against the munich cowboys and then they said in the fourth quarter you go i even had that like one or two assistant tackles but yeah how, how old are you then i was Six, 19. I turned 19 that year. Okay. Well, what, what was the decision behind move or behind moving now to a new program? Because, like you said, back in 2006, you went to now to the Stuttgart Scorpions. You know, and like you were saying, they, they wanted a certain body type, right? <laughs> yeah. When we uh, when we prepared for our second junior season with the Feather Warriors, uh, the attendance in practice was pretty bad. And then the coaches said, I, we have a camp this weekend. If not more than 15 people show up, uh, we're going to pull back from the season. And that's basically what they did. So I could uh, move from, from Fellbach to Stuttgart without uh, having to sit out games. Mm -hmm. So I, I started, I, th I think I missed one, one junior game what, uh, that Stuttgart played that year. But after that, I, I could play there. Um, moved to starters in D-line pretty fast. And after the junior season, uh, my junior coach was a player for the seniors. He just asked if I wanted to stay because I had the, the, the game pass already. Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, you can just join some practices, uh, like dress for the games and just check out the situation. And the good thing was back then they had one defensive end and the other guy playing defensive end was a former safety so they never had a guy on or, or there was no no guy in front of me so i had i could start from my first year after that so in 2007 the, the whole or the, the, the first complete senior season i could start from the beginning mm -hmm. i mean how was that because basically you hadn't played football for so long and then you basically jumped essentially into the fire where it's firstly i mean <laughs> was it was it kind of like a shock a little bit or is it kind of like you kind of noticed it was kind of more natural to you, the transition yeah. and so forth. They did, a, they did a good job in Stuttgart with transitioning because um, the, they, they had the opportunity for the, for the, the oldest junior players, so the, the senior uh, class, if you want to call it, <laughs> to join practice after junior practice with the seniors. So in 2006, uh, four or five guys already practiced it with the seniors. And yeah, you learn it the hard way, right? <laughs> so I still remember uh, as a junior player, for me, having the contain as a defensive end was like running like a big circle around the tackle. And Stuttgart back then had this weird 
running scheme blocking with a lot of pulling guys and my first practice when I was like yeah I'm unblocked and then this backside puller came <laughs> kicked me out he was like 42 years old or something and just laughed at me and I was like yeah damn <laughs> that slowed me down a little um, so yeah they pushed me in the fire same for the next year uh, I mean I, I had the chance to practice a, a, against really really good offensive linemen the, the one guy even also just quit last year and the other tackle they had back then, he played NFL Europe in 2007 or 8, I think. Mm -hmm. So um, I saw in practice already what's going to face me when I go for games. Mm -hmm. But as I said, the body weight was a problem. Right. Um, you get pushed, pushed around a lot. Um, one of my first games in 2007 was against uh, the Unicorns. And what's 61's name again? The tackle? Old oh, guy? Rotate. Yeah. Ote, yeah, that was one of the first guys that that, that <laughs> pushed me around the, the, the field. And I still remember uh, import safety telling me, hey, that's one of the best guys you're going to face this year. So, yeah, right from the beginning, I, I saw how GFL football works, okay. more or less. Um, the good thing in the GFL South is that there are always teams that, I don't want to say suck, but that are not first league level. Right. Because they just moved up there, for example. And then you have the first two or three teams that are like big time. Back then it was Marburg, Schwebeschall and Stuttgart. Um, yeah, this changed a little but But still, the bottom, bottom part of the GFL South is a different level than the first four or four, first three. So, so it's, it's, it's always been like that then, even from back in your days? When I remember, it was like that, yeah. But yeah. it got a lot better. I think the, the teams moved more together. Mm -hmm. depending on on, uh, on the level they are playing but back then they still made to, even today they make jokes about GFS South that the North is so much better blah blah um, I always said yeah it's true for the bottom teams of the GFS South compared to the North right but in general um, I mean the last few years they, they have proven with, with the Schwäbischer Unicorn since 2010 or when was the first two, uh, German World I don't remember now Frankfurt and even 2006 or five was Marburg in the German Bowl. So um, the top teams always could compete with the North. Right. Yeah. At least the time when I played. <laughs> I'm not talking about the 90s now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, how you see the, the competition level on the teams by himself uh, over the years? Now you started in two, 2006 and now we talk about 2019 was your last season, of course, in Switzerland. But how you see the, uh, the level of um, the football competition in the teams? They're getting better, the people getting better, the players, or how did it go up? Yeah. Um, I just can talk about D-line now because that's the position I played the whole time. Um, but D-line has always the problem that Mm, that the depth in the team is not big. I mean, except for Frankfurt, maybe, who paid a lot of players back then, all teams had, uh, like, a first unit that was pretty good. And most of them I played never had a second guy that was quite as good. So there was always a big gap between starters and backups. Um, so competition in a team is not that much I would say at least like like you said from 2006 to now uh, especially when I see the first years in Stuttgart I, I mean I was the the only 
I was the second defensive end, and if you have to play a four-three defense, then you need two. So I was the starter, even though I sucked. So that's a good thing for me, but crappy for the team. Um, and even then, if you go into a season with 12 or 14 guys, every year was the same. In practice camp, you had a D-line unit that was huge. Like on paper, it looked really good. 14 guys, some of them really good. Yeah. But they get injured a lot. <laughs> because some guys in Germany are, are just not prepared for, for playing D-line. For example, I had a teammate uh, a few years ago. He was a power lifter, strong as, as, as fuck. But he got injured during a, um, a shuttle run because he was not like used to to cutting, for example, or you have other guys that are built for D-line tall and strong, but have no technique, for example. So the competition is not that big, I think, yeah. especially as these defensive end. If I, if, I should, if I had to name now German defensive ends that are like the top 10, would be really hard to make that list, I think, because yeah. they're all so close together. And in, in one team, especially, um, to find a third string or fourth string defensive end that's a comparable level is even harder, I would say. Yeah, that's 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 what I see too. It's uh, over the years, it's uh, everyone has a. I mean, if, if you play GFL, you have a great first line, but what's behind this? It's always a difference between relegation and playoffs and German ball. If you're able to have a second string, if you're able to have a third string, you can make it far. And, and that's the that's the that's the big thing with here. The guys like you say, I call it always ghost players because sometimes they're there and then they just disappear and like oh I'm yeah. injured and you say we just make a combine now you can get injured. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's always. And how how was it for you from you say swimming? You had five times, six times practice a week, and we all know American football two two times, three times practice a week. Was this something you say, ah, uh, I'll always do two, two hours, three hours practice so good as you say, I can stay a day home. Yeah. So, as I said, the first year I even had three times football in addition to five times swimming and two times uh, land-based training. So yeah. I had even more. But I still remember the first time football practice, uh, I noticed that you are able to talk <laughs> during a practice. In okay. swimming, you only look into the pool and if you uh, have, have rest and talk to your guys, then always our coach was behind us saying, hey, if you still have enough breath to talk, you should swim uh, maybe faster. Yeah. So uh, that was a, a thing I noticed that you were able to talk during practice. It was big time. Um, and the endurance part was pretty good for the juniors because um, we had to play both ways. We were like 25 guys on the rosters, five of them ghost players, as you would say. And so if you have to play both ways, that was pretty good that I came from swimming with that much practice. Um, but later, I mean, not the, not the time when I traveled a lot, but when I played in Düsseldorf, for example, and was studying in Cologne, I had three times football practice, four times lifting and two times running. So I always had a pretty high, high uh, time, uh, amount of time when I, I worked out. At what point did you did you kind of say you know what I need to I need to take care of my physical preparation because like you said when you went to Stuttgart you kind of noticed like especially now being in the Bundesliga you notice hey like you know I'm, I'm still a little bit smaller I I got to do something to compete with these guys right that are more physical a little bit bigger because just age wise and just your body type you weren't there yeah. yet like what, what what ended up what 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 route did you take or what led you to kind of say you know what 
I need to kind of get on some sort of strength yeah. conditioning program. Yeah, it was right after the juniors. So when, when I was in the senior practice, after junior practice, uh, we had this uh, this Mike linebacker. He was the captain of the team. And during warm-up, he just asked me, like, running next to me, he said, hey, do you even lift? <laughs> I was like, uh, no, why? He said, just ask him. <laughs> and that was, I think, the first time he talked to me. And after that, he did not talk to me for one or two years, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, he... he he made me understand that I need to lift now. Um, so um, as, as everybody, I went to a gym, uh, tried some programs, talked to guys, talked to older players, um, started reading stuff. So basically that was also the point when I got really interested in sport or exercise science mm -hmm. because I had to figure that shit out myself. When I went to my, my head coach back then, I, what should I do in the gym? He just said, Squats and cleans. I was like, yeah, but how and how often, how many sets, reps, weight, whatever, technique. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's how I got into it. So I, I was forced to because I did not have the body part, uh, body body type. Right. And, like, if I look back on it now, it was it was perfect for me because um, I, ha I had to work to get a spot. And uh, a lot of young players I, I met over the years that came up from the juniors, they had the body type already sometimes, but um, wanted to play right away. They did not get it that they have to work and deserve a spot. So um, they quit pretty fast, most of them. And for me, it was like always the case that I had to work to get what I want. And uh, I tried to keep that attitude till the end. And especially like you said, back then, I mean, resources are nowhere close to how they are now especially how strength conditioning has developed and so forth so like you said like you basically had to go through trial and error to try to learn what what worked for you and so forth i mean because like now now slowly we're starting to see teams out here especially i mean in europe but also in the gfl where they're trying to implement now they're starting to realize like hey our yeah. seasons are too long and we need to what we need to focus on attrition because like coaches even talk about, like at the end of the day, you, when you got guys that get hurt, for a lot of these teams, there's a big drop in performance, and you can't compete with the big boys if your guys are just not physically prepared. Because mm. you know? it's what nine, eight months at least, and that's a lot of toll on the body, yeah. especially when you don't have a strength coach and it's a, it's basically a hobby, like semi-pro. It is, it is. Yeah, I mean, in football, guys know that that lifting is important, but knowing that and having a good programmer to two types you know um, most of the guys still today if they lift they lift this bodybuilding type fitness program but not quite football specific and even the guys deadlift are not in the shape they should be for example like the powerlifter i told you before and on every team i've been to there was a fair amount of players that did not even lift at all especially in line positions d tackles uh, o-line DB sometimes, but I mean, that, that's, you can't play football without preparation. And if you have uh, the most GFL teams start practicing outdoors in March and the end of the season in the best case is April, uh, sorry, is October. Mm -hmm. And what do you do between October and the start in March? Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a whole long period. Um, if you, if you don't take the chance to, to get in shape, then you only have half a year of football practice. And that's, that's not a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a right now, that's for me as a head coach, always the problem. Um, every team, you're having these apps 
and you get some drills and doing this for the gym lifting but um i never been a fan of it because when the guys come then in, in february or march when we make practice and you see oh you're using this app yes and you look at him and like i can tell you you're not using this app like a football player you're using this app like a guy who just want to go to gym to getting biceps and six packs for each you know and and, and th 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 this don't help so i yeah. know facilities in, in europe is a huge problem uh, we don't have it like college but i'm always a fan of i know how the Dresden monarchs doing it they're having a a, a complex uh called the dsc gewichthalle i don't know what's called <laughs> english um and i can practice that i go from october until march they're going in there and they're making weightlifting and all that stuff and when you look they start i think at 27 with it and now they're one of the best uh, best teams in Europe because these guys are, are animals when they're when they're going out. I think mm. it's one big thing. What's for you the best? I mean, of course, it's a wish. You're more like a guy who say, okay, I'm fine when everyone has these apps, or you're also more like a team guy at gym practice. Uh, what do yeah. you prefer? What I would prefer would be a team setting. So when you ha had would have local players that are based in the city and work out together, even though there's no football practice. That would be the best case. Um, basically what, what uh, the Cologne Crocodile Juniors are doing right now here in Cologne in the Rhein gym, they, they come together, they, they turn the music up and go crazy. That's something that, that I never had. Um, I had a gym buddy in the beginning. Um, everybody was on the, their own to, get, to pick a, a local gym and uh, practice was 45 minutes away so I had a gym in my town and we were two guys going there but after a few years uh, not not years even weeks he started to find uh, excuses to not go anymore so I was always used to go alone um, so I, I never had a hard time going alone and knowing that I have to maybe that's something I, I learned from swimming too um, but later, when I moved to Cologne, uh, to the sport university, there was a, a gym with a lot of barbells, like you, not as you would expect from a, from a big-time university, but there was a kind of community getting there because there were guys from the Düsseldorf Panther, there were one or two guys uh, back then from the Cologne Falcons, and uh, everybody asked me, why did I go to play for the Panther, although I was living in Cologne? And the reason was... Uh, like I, I found friends in the weight room in Cologne that were Panther players. So I just joined them and played for the Panthers. And, and then we had a group of, of guys the whole off season, like four or five guys that, that were working out together. And, and for example, what I did not do a lot was running. I hated running. I still hate running, but running and sprinting is so important, of course. Um, and I would never do it alone, go to the field and run around like crazy. You would not, yeah. I would not do it. But back then, with this little group, we just did it. And it really, really, really helped. So um, that's something I would wish for. More local players, not guys coming there from March to October, like I did at the end of my career, but guys that are year-round there um, have one sort of program. It does not have to be a good one, but to have a program and follow it the whole year through. Because, for example, my first program was this DVD uh, the NFA Europe handed out to prospect players. So if you did not make it to the NFA Europe, they got a DVD that was a 30-week uh, lifting schedule on it, a running schedule, a warm-up schedule, and even videos 
of how to perform the exercises. And I was I was glad fortunate enough to get this DVD by by a teammate. And I think I followed that program in total about five or seven years. Even the last uh, two seasons, I still prepared with that one program. And because there were exercises in there, I would never have done with this fitness apps. For example, this American program focused a lot on hamstrings and focused big time on traps. So to have a strong neck. I mean, right now, as I'm older and I studied exercise science, I know that it makes sense. But as an eight-year-old, I would never go in the gym and shrug two times a week, for example. So uh, that was that was good that I, like, by accident, ended up with this program. So the most crappy program works if you stick to it for a longer period of time. So that was that's something I would wish for: local players having a program, working together, and then maybe get in this mode of competition. You never, uh, you, you don't even. You don't need to have competition in one unit only. You can have competition with another position group, for example, or just with another friend. The, the first gym buddy I had was an O-line uh, man. We both came up from the juniors. And even though uh, we were not competing in a unit, we competed when you had one-on-ones. So that was also big time for us. Yeah, and the big thing you notice is what? I mean, a lot, a lot of teams are doing it, but the main thing they do it for, like also you just started touching basis on, is team building. You know, and, and that's the biggest thing why you, essentially schools in general, you have what? You have a strength coach. Strength yeah. is in charge of doing for the most part, especially when it's NC2A, when there's restrictions and they're only allowed to be with the strength coach. That's what, that's where the team comes together, you know, because now, now you could find a way and see, okay, how do these guys handle adversity? You know, especially through that, you know, exhaust phase when those guys are exhausted and tired. Cause I, I mean, in my, personally for me, I'd rather see it in the gym and see how they respond yeah. than on game day. Because then you're sitting there and you're just like, fuck. Or in camp. <laughs> or in camp, exactly. Because yeah, you're preparing yeah, yeah. them for what's about to happen. Because for the most part, the goal is to make the workouts, training sessions on the field, in the gym, harder than the games. You know, and that's kind of the biggest thing where I noticed, like, some teams are going that way. Like, you notice Shrevish High, they, they, for the last three years since I was there, they got a CrossFit box. And they use the CrossFit box now for off-season training. And the guys will go there. They'll have, like, two practices a day at least. Or, sorry, per week, rather, not a day. Um, one day is at the CrossFit box in groups and the other day is on the field. So they try to get some sort of team situation. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what other teams are doing it. I know Alvo tried to do it at some point, but the thing was, is like they, they use one of the nearby CrossFit boxes, but threw the guys into CrossFit workouts, which the guys weren't physically prepared to be like power clinging for however many reps, like all these AMRAP workouts with guys who get hurt. So, I mean, you got to be smart. But, yeah. I mean, for the most part, in every city you go now in Germany, there is some sort of CrossFit box. Yeah, true. You know, so you could kind of set it up, even if the team has to invest a little bit of money, but you have the ability to do that. Um, going go with your experience where you were kind of moving up, now going from Stuttgart to Dusseldorf, Frankfurt, right? Did those teams have at some point some sort of setup in the offseason? Or was it more like you guys just on your own, like you were talking about, just – having to figure it out or did mm. it end up starting to have in the off season, some sort of team group workouts? Yeah. So in Stuttgart, we had winter workouts starting in November, I think indoors with a lot of running, but we had no, no lifting, no lifting session okay. in Dusseldorf 12, 11, 12 and 13. I think they had off season workouts also indoors, even with lifting, but for, we were 
we, we did not join them because we were living in Cologne and they did not want to, to pay gas money over year round. So that's why we prepared in Cologne by our own. But for the guys in Dusseldorf, they had a little program going on. Um, in Frankfurt, as everybody knew uh, or knows, they're based on imports. So most of the players are not living in Frankfurt. Um, so they did not have a program going on until this year. I think this year they have a program now with, with a friend of mine, Jonas. Um, but before that, there was no off-season program. Not even a coach checking on you what you're doing or handing out like like a PDF or anything. Right. So everybody was on their own. And in Kalanda, they also have testing sessions. They have a lifting program. And uh, for the for the Swiss guys who ha who are, uh, have to ha have to pl uh, pay for the for playing, they play club fees. Um, they're the amount they had to pay depended on the test results. So I think that was a, a great part, great idea by the head coach. So if you, if you, uh, they had this, this table with, with the, with the um, like strength, strength numbers you have to have for excellence, for average or below average. And if you got excellence, for example, your, your club fees went down a little. So that, that was a good motivation, I think. It's an incentive, you know? Huh? Oh no! In Switzerland, uh, they pay a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I, yeah. I, th that's one part about about Switzerland I loved. Um, not that they had to pay, but they they really they they had to pay that much to play. And the reason why they played was just for playing, for fun, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, they treated different. If you have to pay for something, you treat it different. Like um, they had to pay for for tape. I think uh, four or five. Uh, francs and a row or the the club fee was around 800 francs or something so it's pretty pretty expensive and like the guys that are playing and they're willing to pay that much they 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 really want to play you know they do it they did yeah not like in germany where sometimes guys get paid money to play a little money but they, they treat it differently mm -hmm. so they think they're superstars now <laughs> for example um, for you, at some point in this process, because like you kind of talked about touch bases, like you ended up going then to Frankfurt, then ultimately right now you're talking about Kalanda. At what point did you kind of realize, like, or kind of think, hey, like, I'm kind of maybe looking at this sport kind of being more semi-pro for you? Because yes, you are studying and so forth, but now, yeah. like, like you told me and you told us rather, you know, when you went to Frankfurt, you know, you were a European import. You went to Kalanda, you're a European import. At some point, it basically yeah. became. I'm, I'm saying at the end, it's a job because you're getting paid to perform. You yeah. know? So, so now you have to balance the school, of course, like a student athlete, but also like prepare. But like, at what point did you kind of realize like I could probably maybe earn some money or whatever doing this? <laughs> yeah, that happened by accident. So, um, the, the because because I, I sucked in the beginning, my name was never on the map. <laughs> so. Uh, I think the first time I got co called by any coach when, when was uh, the time when I moved to uh, Cologne. And I think the only reason why I got co called by the Dusseldorf coach was uh, because we had a lot of uh, friendly games against Dusseldorf back then in preseason Stuttgart, Dusseldorf, like three years in a row. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know, but I think a former coach from Stuttgart just called in Dusseldorf and said, hey, there's a guy come. Okay. And then I never wanted to to go to another team until in 2014 
there was a little crisis going on with the Panthers, with uh, people leaving during the season, with the head coach getting kicked and stuff. So I was looking around for a different team in 15. And the good thing was in 14, it was the first time I got nominated for the German national team. And if you get this uh, certificate of a national team player, then from one day to another, you're a better player. <laughs> so, I mean, in 13, I might have played the same level as I did in 14, but now people knew me just because some national coach picked me, for example. So from 14 to 15, it was the first time I got more or less offers. For example, I, I went for a workout in Braunschweig um, and I also talked to a coach in Stuttgart because he offered me if I come to Stuttgart in 15, he will get me an internship. Okay. That what I, I was forced to do, uh, forced to have uh, because of my studies. And that was the reason why I turned, uh, for example, the I, I did not even ask for money in Braunschweig. They might have offered, I think, but I said, hey, I have an internship offer in Stuttgart and that's more important for me. So I, I never thought about going semi-pro or pro and I never played football for money. So uh, for me, that was more important to, to get education through this internship than playing for money. Mm -hmm. And in 15, uh, the head coach, in, for 16, they did not want to get me back because I did not have the internship anymore. And it would have to pay more travel money from, for me to get by train from Cologne to, to Stuttgart. And okay. that's the reason why I um, yeah, was looking around for a different team. And Frankfurt, the, the reason why I, I went there was more or less twofold. First, I, I always followed their program because they moved up from, from, the, from the lowest league in Germany after, after the NFL Europe to the first league in, I think, less than 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I always followed the program. Uh, and from Cologne to Frankfurt main station, it's only one hour and 10 minutes. So that was pretty close. And the money was like, yeah, I never was negotiating big time for money so they offered us that yeah why not i mean everybody who plays football would never say no if somebody would offer them money so i said yeah okay let's do it for the money and that's what i did for two years um and with the kalana situation i was planning on quitting football since 2015 so i said after 15 season maybe i quit then i i joined frankfurt and i said yeah maybe another year so i played 17 and i <laughs> i really wanted to to quit in um with a german ball that was always the goal because i went to a german ball my first year in the league in 2007 but i was injured i did not play and we lost mm -hmm. so my goal was to get a, a german ball ring and that's why I played another year for Frankfurt because they, the team got even better and I knew the guys, we were a unit then and I found a lot of friends there. Um, and after the 17th season, I said, yeah, now I quit. <laughs> but um, the European Championship was uh, planned to be held in, in Germany in 18. Yeah. So I said, that would be really cool to quit your career with maybe a European championship, especially after we lost uh, the World Games against France. We lost the semi-final against Braunschweig. We lost the big six final, so I had a career of second places. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, yeah, okay, that would be pretty cool to play, but I can't go 16 games anymore. So, uh, and then I heard of a, uh, Steffen, a friend of mine, 
he was already talking to to the Kalanda Broncos, and I also knew one guy that played with me in Stuttgart from the Kalanda Broncos. So I said, hey, like just random text, hey, ask your coach if they need a D-line player. So he asked the coach, and after that, I talked to the head coach. And still, the money was not worth traveling from Cologne to Switzerland. I think that's six or seven hours back and forth. Don't be at home from Thursday. Oh, no, it was from Friday to Sunday mm-hmm. for that little amount of money. So I never really did it for the amount of money. But I always, when I got older, said, I don't want to pay to play football anymore. So just like get gas money, get travel money, and that's it. All, all in advance. It's just mm-hmm. bonus. Mm-hmm. So in January in 18, I said, okay, I go another year. I signed with the Broncos. The Swiss Bowl is in July, and the European Championship would have been the end of July. So I was planning on not a German Bowl, but finish with the Swiss Bowl and finish with the European Championship. But as you know, the German national team got got canceled. So I finished with the Swiss Bowl. And in for the season 19, the head coach called me again, talked to me a lot, because also in 18, I wanted to quit again. And then he said... <laughs> But this time we're playing the, Euro- the Central European Football League, not the EFL, but the Central European Football League. And he, he named teams like Rotslav Panthers. He named uh, some, some other teams we're going to face. Um, it was really interesting for me because I never played a Polish team. I never played a well, Croatian team, I think. Yeah. Then we played Innsbruck in the, in the final. And we also had some other... Oh, yeah, Istanbul. Istanbul oh, also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was exciting. I just wanted to to see how the level is in Eastern Europe because I played Italy. I played uh, some national teams from the north, like uh, Finland, for example, Austria. Mm-hmm. And that was the reason why I came back for 19. But after that, more or less, I saw everything now. I went to some championships, finished second place a lot. German ball is still missing. But yeah, that was the story behind that. So... I never wanted to go pro. It just happened, more or less. Just by chance. So, like, moving up, right, you're kind of talking about, like, you, you basically, you were always, like, about to hang it up on the nail, and it was kind of like, okay, I'll keep playing. I'll keep playing. How was those impressions of, let's say, playing with the Frankfurts, playing now in Kalan in Switzerland, that type of football, playing now in the CEFL, how, how was that playing against that type of talent? Like, did it impress you? Did you notice, like, hey, like, we got some really good players here. Like those teams have good players. Cause I mean, I was in Poland and I noticed like Brosvav, they got a good team, you know? And a lot of people don't think that with teams like Brosvav cause they're like, Oh, it's Poland. Well, good teams out there, you know, yeah. especially. And then when you bring up the Suarcos as well, like there's a reason why these teams are talked about, you know, and especially now back in your day, 2017, when you had um, Frankfurt and in my opinion, one of the best teams I've ever seen. I think you can find great players in all countries in Europe. So not just the imports they, they, they bring over from the US, but also like locals. Because the level in Europe is not that high that you have to be a freak of nature, for example. Because when you bring a certain body type, you can play. If you have the heart, you can play. Yeah, if you get your technique down, you can play. And uh, for European standards, two attributes to two things of that like for example body type and technique or for example heart and technique that, that's enough to play on a high high level in germany mm-hmm. or not germany europe i mean europe um 
So I always knew that no matter where you look, they're good players. For example, Dresden, like you mentioned before, they always brought in these O-Lyman freaks. <laughs> I still remember Fuxer, for example. I think yeah. he was yeah. Czech, I think. Yeah. 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 He was crazy. Then, yeah. then I played uh, this one tackle from Innsbruck, Swako Raiders, uh, I think yeah. number 70. Habatin, Habatin. Habatin, yeah, yeah. Like crazy. Then, uh, then I, I moved to Frankfurt and they had this O-Lyman from France. Um, he was crazy good. Yeah. So you, you always saw, saw great players everywhere. And like joining a team you did not know before, you never know what you get. <laughs> I mean, you get a list of names, some you know, some you don't know. Um, and also one of the greatest defenses I, defenses I played with was the 2006 and seven uh, Stuttgart Scorpions defense. Not big names, but we played as a unit, like just mm-hmm. being together. And as you said, team building, we had a great camp with some beer <laughs> and like <laughs> really had a connection. I mean, everybody did their job and talent wise, we were, we were not the greatest, but we competed with Braunschweig and the German ball was not like 60-0, but I mean, we lost, but for the group of guys, group of guys we had, you would not have thought that we go that far, even with our playbook. <laughs> it was like four plays, maybe. Um, so it really depends. Even in Switzerland, the defensive line unit we had last year, crazy good. I mean, we had an import from uh, Finland. It was me. We had a guy from Austria. And even the, the, the three or four Swiss guys were really, really good. They were not like really tall, but they were good coached. Um, and they really wanted to play. Mm-hmm. So we had two units, even in Switzerland, that were pretty good. In Frankfurt, I mean, <laughs> different story. We had, uh, I think, three paid defensive ends. Um, we had a lot of national team player defensive tackles, one from France, uh, one German national player, and even the Frankfurt local, the one guy, the defensive end, was really good. So we had, like, 11 guys that could play <laughs> in addition the linebacker crew the dbs that was insane but yeah you never know um all the teams have good players here it's just about depth like we said before the yeah. quality of a team is can you go 16 games how good are your backups what happens if for example your qb gets hurt mm-hmm. like uh the cfl game we played against Rotsav, i always say i also say they have a good team um, technique, technique-wise, not that great, but physical. And they had a, a really awesome American QB. And bad for him, but good for us. He got injured in the first quarter. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we win. Or we won back then. So, right. How would you... What, 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 was, your, what was your impression going to Switzerland, actually? I want to get your take because... Yeah. I mean, for example, you played there. Of course, Sebastian coached there. How would you get yeah. back to the GFL, just in general? Yeah. It, it was crazy so i think you could not find more contrast between frankfurt and going to switzerland <laughs> the first practice um i've been to in i think late march um you need to help me translate now but what is reithalle in english reithalle. Reithalle, uh, a horse stable uh let me check i got it translated English riding hall indoor riding hall yeah Yeah. so I came for practice I said hey so where's the field and I said we're not going to the field it's too cold we're going to the indoor riding arena I was like what yeah indoor (laughs) riding arena so we were waiting actually in front of this arena to get the horses out they had practiced before us and after that we went in and practiced in the sand indoors 
That's literally what the Broncos. Yeah, for the Broncos, correct. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw it like that, but yeah, true. And and then the head coach uh, had to to tell the whole team how to form tackle with not getting people to the ground. That was the first practice I've been to. Plus, language-wise, I even said the Swiss guys, they talk Swiss German to talk English to me because I did not get a single one. <laughs> so, and then I think the first or second game we played, it was in Geneva, Geneva Seahawks. Mm -hmm. And it was not even a stadium. It was just a field with this bars around, uh -huh. like no seats, I think 20 fans. And before that, the last game I played was against Braunschweig, the semifinal, with I think 8,000 fans. So there was a contrast like big time. Not playing wise, I mean, the level was a little different, but Geneva is a great team, Kalanda is a great team. But the surrounding, <laughs> like, uh, how are game days? How is practice? Yeah, absolutely. how do the players look? <laughs> so that was a big difference. Absolutely. I mean, uh, for me, it was the same. Was the was the stuff around? And for you guys out there, we're having this week uh, episode with the vice president of Swiss football, which is uploaded. Um, but yeah, it's the stuff around. You like you say when I come to. When I come to the, I was two times in Switzerland, and the first time was with the Vienna Jets in 2013. We're playing in a park. I was like, okay, where, where, where we practice? And he like, was like, okay, for a practice field, it's fine. And he like, no, that's 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 where we play, NLA first league. I say, are you are you serious? <laughs> I don't. Like, people walking with a dog two hours before, then we line up making some lines, and then. We play in 2013 against the Kalanda Broncos, who win in 2012 the Euro Ball. I say, we're playing against a team with like 35 imports. I don't know. And then they say, and this is what Switzerland football brings to the point. They're so nice people. They say, yeah, but the good thing on Kalanda is when they're leading by 60, they don't bring the good guys on the field anymore. I was like, <laughs> that, that, that was not my goal actually. <laughs> yeah. I was like I was like crazy because the guys like you said in the pre-talk oh, I know oh, here already they're paying so much to play football so they they do it with heart and and so much it's just the stuff around I never yeah. see so much unprepared fields I mean from the 40 no from the 50 to the 40 is one step you know yeah. The, the, yeah. the field's too short and, and everything, and, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a long way for preparation around in in football yeah. because the guys they want it, the guys they they want to be out there. I mean, you play with Timo Buchweiler, he's a great running back. I always ask him, hey, you need to go to GFL when he was young. Crazy legs, yeah. <laughs> you know, and 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 all that all that good guys there. Yeah. Oh, Switzerland football has a future that just need to step out and stuff around. But you guys, you will hear it when we call with Glenn was the name, the vice Glenn. president now of uh, Swiss football. Right. And but, it's the same, but it's the same in Germany, I would say. I mean, the organization around the team, you can also find like crap. Everybody heard what happened to Frankfurt, for example. Yeah, the last year before they had no money anymore, uh, they turned the lights off during practice because uh, they did not pay the the the, uh, the bills for the field anymore. Mm 
really? or, or even Stuttgart. The, the one American coach always said the, the motocross field because it was so crappy, full of holes. And uh, they were even, let me check the net, what, what's it in English? That's crazy. Mole? <laughs> there yeah. were mole holes everywhere. So, so even a, a GFL South team that was in the German Bowl back then had like a really freaking bad um, practice field, no facilities, bad, sh bad locker rooms. Um, in, in Switzerland, we had no physio the one year. So um, I think the teams are now playing on a pretty high level. There are many guys putting in the time in the offseason, working, working out, do the best they can, act like pros, for example. Um, and the organization is still sometimes run by people that are not getting paid, not, not a single thing. And they have a real job with 40 hours, not just being a student like mm -hmm. I was, but have a real, really like long hours job and then have to run an organization and, and that's a, so now a point um, if you really want to improve the level of playing that's the next step I would say. Yeah and what I say too I mean we actually in this crisis right now everyone say what we can do and here and crazy plans coming out how we shut up uh, set up a, a, a game games or something I say will be awesome this one of the rules, maybe every GFL team need to have also a full-time manager. Yeah. You know, not yeah. like a manager who's like take care about jerseys and volleyball. <laughs> I mean, a manager who's like taking care about sponsoring, uh, working contracts, and, and yeah. all that stuff. I think yeah. it would maybe brings one American import less, but yeah. for the for the long term, for oh, have, we'll or have just a guy organizing staff. I mean. You can't tell me you find you can't find sponsors and everything. Look at ice hockey and basketball. All the teams they're having uh, full-time managers. I mean, Ulm, a small city, Ratio Farm, Ulm, getting uh, whatever ten thousand spectators every home game. So right. it's it's stocks up up ahead. Yeah. I mean, and you have some teams like over the years they've started doing that. They started realizing, oh, they got to implement. Like I know after the year I left and Trevish Hall. They, they hired a, a part-time, like, assistant, something. It's, like, a, a few days out of the week she works, like, I think 20 hours, you know. But it's, like, people teams are starting to realize, like, we need to have somebody kind of to do that because, like you just said, a lot of people are doing this on their free time also as a hobby, you know. Like, I know Shrevish Hall and compared to other teams, but, like, Shrevish I know that, like, nobody on the board and people that were there even, like, our, like at the time we had Burgett, who was our manager, and now it's one of the former players. Uh, Dobby, I forgot his last name, but they're not getting paid and they were doing things like as professional as they possibly could. And you have some teams where yeah. they have the same setup, but it's kind of like it's lacking. It's, it looks like a third league setup. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm like, it is at the end of the day. Like when you said you brought up the locker room stuff, there's one thing, and I mean, no offense, but I absolutely hate going to Ingolstadt Stadium. I hate those locker rooms. You can't even go to the bathroom there because it's <laughs> nasty. You've never been to the Frank Knights then. <laughs> no, no, that was the oldest one I've ever seen. <laughs> visit. I went to visit again. I think my first year as an import. But other than that, no. Nah, uh -uh. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. So you can't blame him. I mean, even the, the vice president of the whole, whole uh, German uh, football association is, is not getting paid. So how should you run a big-time organization with over 60,000 uh, active players now. 
yeah. on your on your spare time. I mean, that will not work. And and you can't expect getting pro without having pro people in the right spots. And most clubs, like you said, that there's maybe one person who runs the whole organization. And sometimes he has good people around him that help him. For example, in Schwebeschall, that's the case. They build it up pretty well. But every year and when this one president leaves because like he's fed up with it, right. then the, 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 the next president has to start from scratch again. Right. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, and, and I'll jump in like kind of on the topic a little bit is, I mean, like you kind of started to touch basis on is, and kind of mentioned it, like you, you worked for the EST, I believe, since 2015. Yeah, correct. Uh, did a little bit of homework on you, you know. <laughs> um, what, I mean, at some point, you know, you, you did you, you did your bachelor's, you did and then your master's in exercise science. Now, like you, you kind of told me you're working on your doctorate. Um, what kind of made you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take this now to a master's level, to a doctorate level. I'm going to basically start research, stepping in, teaching, and so forth. Because that's also big to do on the yeah. side is also being, being, being a football player. Because I know, like, back in Trevish High, for the most part, our players were either police officers or teachers, you know. And <laughs> I thought it was like, it was like the, the high amount, high rate of teachers and, and cops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's – like the same with my football career just it just happened <laughs> so um after school um first i picked up uh, being an x-ray technician that was a three-year school um and during that time i realized that's not it because after the the 10 million times you you x-ray the lung you know how it works you know mm -hmm. so um a former teammate of mine he moved the year before me to cologne to study here sport management and he always talked about this great university the chicks the parties and like <laughs> college lifestyle more or less i hope your wife is not listening <laughs> here oh. right now. she knows it. i met her there so oh. all good <laughs> so i was like oh that sounds so cool um let me try that. And they have this, this test before you can study in Cologne, you have to take a, a test with 20 disciplines with gymnastics, swimming, running, endurance run, whatever. So I prepared for that test and, and passed. And I said, okay, why not? Let's apply for the university for a bachelor's. So I only applied in one university for one bachelor degree. And uh, because I had three years of school before that, I, I got a spot. So I went there for a bachelor, more or less for fun. I, I mean, I, I knew I love sports and I really wanted to know that, but I never had a plan in mind where it will go. Yeah. And after the bachelor, it was more or less the same situation. I was like, hey, let's apply for a master's program. Maybe you'll get it. So I applied for three or four master programs. Uh, it worked out. So I took the one in, in Cologne. Mm -hmm. And after the master's program, I really wanted to start working. I applied for 12 or 14 jobs in my field. More or less, it was uh, um, teaching coaches in different sports or uh, youth programs in sports in general. Mm -hmm. But I only got invited once by, by, by a local gym in, in, uh, in Herzog Aurach, the Adidas gym. That's the mm -hmm. only yeah. Only time I got invited for, for an interview. Right. They offered me a job, but it was like crazy hours with little money. Right. So I said, yeah, maybe that's not what I want to do. Um, and then a former uh, professor of mine called and said, if I, if I know someone who wants to go for a PhD program and also work in the, in the fitness uh, industry as, as a teacher, I said, yeah, 
let's ask around. So I, I was not even thinking about myself. <laughs> I, I really asked all the guys I studied with if they want to do it. And after the, the 14th time, I got a letter where they said, no, we don't need you here. I was like, hey, why don't I do that program? So I never, it was never my plan to go into research, but that was the only job offer I got. So I took it. It's not the worst that happened to me because um, I only work there part-time. The, the whole study thing I can do whenever from home or from the train. And that was the reason why I could even play for Frankfurt in Switzerland because I, I worked in the office from Monday to, to Wednesday and Thursday to Sunday in the wintertime. I, I work on my PhD program. During the summertime, it was more or less all football. And now... I could finish the program since there is no football anymore. So mm -hmm. it was never my plan. It just it just happened by by accident. I always say if you love something, you get you, you get automatically good at it. So if you like reading about about sports, you will pick up a lot about sports. If you just like playing football, you get good as a player. I mean, if your motivation is something else that might work, if the money is good enough, maybe you also get, get great players, but but not like awesome players. <laughs> so if you really love it, just do it. Same for work, same for sports. Now I, I got a um, replacement drug for football. I joined a cheerleader squad and it's the same. I, I really want to be one of the best guys there. So I now work on my cheerleading skills at the age of 32. Or for example, I, uh, we have this uh, long distance run with the company in Düsseldorf. Uh -huh. And four or five years, I always said, no, I will not run. I'm too heavy for that. I need to prepare for football. And a month ago, a, a colleague came to my office and said, hey, you don't have an excuse now anymore. You need to run now. I said, damn it. <laughs> so now I'm running three times a week just to be good when it comes to the six-kilometer run. How many kilometers is it? 6.2. So schwierig? Is it hard? Uh, I started... The last week of February, okay. I go running three times a week, uh -huh. and until now, I never did more than five. <laughs> <laughs> so running for me, as I said, I really hate running. Uh -huh. um, I'm too heavy. I don't like it, <laughs> but it's getting better right now. <laughs> You're competitive, so that will be uh, against yourself. Yeah. That's the hard Sorry? one. I said what? you got to be competitive against yourself, against your. Yeah. I always need competition, no matter what. Always. Yeah. <laughs> so, like right now, looking at, with, I mean, what are you, are you essentially right now? Is it still kind of the same thing? You're kind of looking to see, okay, where does the PhD now take me? Or you kind of have now have an idea of what you want to do now, now that you kind of retired from football? Yeah. Um, right now, I will stay with the university. Um, we are we're growing. It's a pretty young university. Uh, we have our first bachelor's program on, since 2013. Mm -hmm. Now we're starting a new master's program, which I designed, so I can really do, like I'm, I'm free in what I do. I can research what I want. I can uh, like design a master's program. I can teach. Uh, so there's no reason right now to, for me to do something else. Um, so that's the plan, at least for the next few years, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, ju I just quit making plans because plans never worked out for me that well. But when I just kept on going, it worked out. So yeah. after my master's, I said, I will never make plans anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the things in life where it's kind of like, I would say it's better just to be adaptable to your situation and just see where it takes you. 
Because the worst thing is like when you sit there and you're like, I only have one plan and it doesn't work. It's like, fuck, what do you do? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that you happened in school when I, I wanted to be a police officer, but uh, they, they found asthma. So they said, no. Okay. And I, I never had a plan B back then. So it was a hard time. Man like a tree. Huh? <laughs> a man like a tree. And yeah. Yeah, that's like, yeah the, the weight was another problem. Uh, they, they calculate the BMI. Back then I had 88 kilos and I said, I'm too heavy for a police officer. I was like, are you shitting me? Like, I've seen police officers that I, uh, we like the police. Thank <laughs> And I have, they have more problems to coming out of, I don't know call. So. Yeah. Have our, it's like in the States, our, the cops that we had, that especially we have to watch like at our high schools, like you probably, they probably ate like 20 donuts a day. <laughs> take somebody down. It's like they could really get out. I remember the, the cop that we had in high school, he could really get out of his car, but he could kill people, which is interesting. But I yeah. Yeah. Um, for you, I mean, now you, you have all the sports background. For you, was was never uh, you think about going maybe to the states, playing college, or or making this step, or was mm. uh, time wise just don't work out? Yeah, that's a question I got asked a lot the last year uh, because all the young kids are now getting over there with this future oh. programs, getting scholarships. But when I was in, I would say that age, like 18, 19, um, first my level was crappy. Like, as I said, I was way too small and I think I did not play well. Uh, second, I only knew one guy who got over there to play. Uh, he was an old lineman, like six, seven tall, so freak of nature. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also played uh, in the Jugendauswahl, in the All-Star team, Bavu with Markus Kuhn. So that was the second guy that went over there. And you all know his story. He just took film and his dad and traveled all the universities. So there was... It was like a whole different world. It was not something you, you could even dream about. It was just, okay, the US, that's over there. We're playing here. So not, nobody like really wanted to go there or dreamed about it. Uh, in the North, it was a bit, a bit different. I think the Dusseldorf Panda always had a good connection to some universities or colleges. Yeah, um, that's why, for example, Vollmer got over there, I think, um, with the whole NFA Europe program in Dusseldorf was a different situation but to be honest I really don't know what happened if I would have gone there and played high school and maybe after that or or right away college football because it's not about fun anymore (laughs) your scholarship depends on football it's a full-time job I saw a schedule of uh, Purdue College for example they have like 60 or 70 hours straight planned from 5 a.m. in the morning to 9 p.m. and the whole weekend through and yeah, I might have been a great player, maybe. Maybe I would have pushed through, but the, the chances chances are as evenly high that I just quit football. Yeah. So that's that's a problem I see right now. So many young kids talking about, ah, I'm going to college, I'm going to college. But I wonder how many really make it through the whole program without quitting. And I, I would I would bet not even half will go through four years of college with the preparation they experienced in Germany or Europe before. Even if they right now are freaks of nature and think they're, they're the greatest player on earth, I met guys like that, mm-hmm. they will go over there, get their ass kicked and really lose faith in everything. So um, it would be a great experience um, under the right coaching. And I, if I would have started lifting earlier, Maybe I would have succeeded. I don't know. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but D-line is a hard position to play first as a white kid, then with barely 6'3", it's hard. <laughs> of, course he, of course he did, it's, 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 okay. it's Wanda. <laughs> you know what I mean, defensive ends, yeah. You have to run big time numbers. Like right now in the NFL, it's normal for a defensive end to run a four five. Oh yeah. Uh, I think the best time I've ever taken was four seven seven, but with uh, spikes shoes on yeah. and hand time, so it was barely a five more or less. <laughs> so um, I don't know. And strength wise, back then I, I I still remember when I was eighteen, I could not bench two twenty five, not a single time. So College was always out of reach, and now with the with the pathway program by the NFL, let's see how that goes. For some, it will go well. For example, Jacob Johnson, but he was also over there playing college. And is he and the Pats now? But I is a freak. If you know, he's he's big, he's strong, he's tall. Um, but for example, with Moritz Böhringer, for example, I think. The NFL just wants to to reach a new market, get nationals from another country in their league to increase interest. Like, it's about money. It happened with uh, with the um, basketball player uh, Dirk? Uh, Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, nobody or, or barely anybody watched the NBA before Dirk Nowitzki. Then right. Dirk Nowitzki came, and everybody started following the NBA. Right. Everybody in Germany knows the name, and all the football interested guys know Moritz Böhringer. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm still skeptical about this pathway program, and I'm still very skeptical about these college recruiting programs. But I wish all the players the best. Uh, for example, the I think also the the guy from Innsbruck now going over there as a running back. Yeah. He has a fair chance. He's also a freak. Yeah. If you see him play, you just know he's from another planet. So um, it's a good thing for those guys, but. I also see on the other side too many dreams that will pop because they're getting sold an idea of you can make it and they won't. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like we already touched basis on it with all of them. You look at the kids trying to go to the States to play football. It doesn't matter if it's high school or college or the guys going through the pathway programs. Now the CFL has one too. Of course, at the end of the day, it's a money market, right? It's about what revenue, how much they can make. And at the end of the day, like, you need to have a special type of person or player rather that can go through all that because you're going to go through adverse. Like you said, there's some guys that they're not going to make it to four years. I mean, I've, I've coached guys, especially in France that I looked, they were freaks, but I could tell certain guys that got D one offers. Let's say I told them straight to the face. I'm like, you're not going to make, it. I'm like, until you fix, you know, like what happens behind closed doors, like about you showing up to practice on time about you learning the playbook. I'm like, you're, you're not going to make it. You're going to find yourself, within camp sitting fifth on the depth chart. And, and, I, and I'm going to wonder what's going to happen. Because like you said, there's guys, they think they're the shit and then they get hit in the fucking mouth. And then they're sitting there like, uh, what do I do? Because they've been coddled. And a lot of coaches said, Oh, you're the best guy we have. We're going to play you. And you know, that's the worst thing you could do with somebody like that because you're going to ruin it for him because they're not ready to face adversity. Cause in the States, there's a thousand of you of whatever <laughs> there's, you are replaceable like that. You know, yeah. especially in the NFL now. Pathway program, yeah, you're going to get a legit shot for your first year. Like, you have a safe roster spot. You're in. You won't get cut. But now, can you stay that second year? Yeah, I mean, but like you say, this, uh, you have to see the whole picture. 
because I always say this London Games will come to an end because the NFL need to go to Mexico and to uh, the, the Asian market. That's what the NFL talks since years. <laughs> they want to they want to play in Shanghai. Yeah. I want to go in this big city or Germany too. So now, right? and you can Wuhan maybe. Yeah, you, you. I mean, you say there is no team who want to locate it in London. So on one game, on one point, they say it's, we go to the other side on the world. We we get all the money from here. So now you say the the right thing. It, mm-hmm. It's a mock picking every year a team on the sixty man roster, a guy on the sixty man roster selling some jerseys. I I'm into it. I mean. It's marketing. I know that people don't like to hurt in Germany because everyone likes to go to London. I don't. In ten years, in ten years, there will be no London games anymore. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there will be no London Jaguars. I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, like you said. I mean, the 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 American imports I met. They they always. If I ask them about college, they they like you said. They always said they don't care about you. More or less. I mean, like you said, you're replaceable. So, um, I mean, playing hurt is maybe the, the worst thing that happens, but you lose your scholarship like that. So, and and I think some, even especially the younger guys, they're not used to that anymore. Like with all the particip- participation trophies and shit. Like oh, you said, they, they, by the parents, everybody told them, you're great. Oh, you did not shit yourself? Oh, good job. <laughs> So, no, I mean it's true. It is. It's true. Like yeah. I'm, I'm old school in, in that way. You know, I mean, maybe that's my swimming coach. I always say it was my swimming coach. She said, uh, "You have to be 15 minutes before practice there and warm up by yourself. If you would have not done it, she will give you a hard time." Mm-hmm. And and you learn discipline like that, right? And, yeah. and that's getting lost in in a lot of guys. And I mean, you always when you when you're getting older, you can say. That, that's the old guy talking, you know, or is it really a change in generations? Yeah, but, but are, I would say I'm young enough to say there is a change in generations. 100%, yeah. And, and I also say it comes also down to how parents are raising their kids, how coaches are coaching. It always comes down to parents, yeah. Because this is a thing, right? As a coach, even in this day and age with the new generation, you can still hold them accountable and have some sort of discipline. Like, it's not hard to do. I, I remember, like, up until last year when I was coaching with the, uh, the All-Star team in Bavaria, Oh, I, I kept those DBs like accountable. I said, hey, the only reason I, I, I chose, let's say, U12 for the first camp from the 60 plus DBs that we would get from the North and South trial, I was like, because you have something, right? I see something. But don't, don't think you already made it because I will send you home real quick. And that's what the kids in the beginning, you notice it's kind of a shock because they never had that. But if you constantly, if you yeah. have, first of all, the time to do that, you know, the setup camps and so forth, you could do it. They buy in at some point, they understand, okay, like, Coach is saying it how it is, and he's not bullshitting, you know? Like, the worst thing to do is to say it, and then something happens, you're like, oh, whatever. But if you start, like, sending guys home or whatever, then they're like, oh, crap, you know? <laughs> I remember one year I sent, I sent the best DB I ever had all, what, however many years since I coached, six or whatever it was, seven. And the other DBs were shocked because they knew this kid was the best one in the group. I sent his ass home. He just didn't. I was like, I don't have time. Coach Mella don't you know, look for friends. I, I don't look for friends. Now I'm, I'm trying to win games. <laughs> I'm trying to win games. I'm trying to win a championship. Like, it was like you talk about. Every, since I, the whole time I was with the Auswahl, it was always, with the All-Star team, rather, it was always second place, you know? And that pissed me off, you know, every year, second place, second place, second place. I'm like, I'm like, no, nah. you know, too much work goes into this. I need kids that are ready to ball. 
that's the reason why, like, with the national team, they would talk to me and they would ask me, hey, who, who are the four DBs you got this year? Because they knew, you know, I, I had dogs. Like, I didn't have these little kids that were sitting there going like, oh, I made the, I made the all-star team. It's all cool. I was like, nah, we're out here to try to take names, you know? <laughs> They're talking crap to, like, U19 kids and U17 kids. <laughs> yes. NRV, we don't like NRV, I'm just saying. <laughs> That's good. Oh, good. <laughs> no. But, That's uh, crazy. Yeah, but anyhow, I mean, we appreciate having you on today on uh, an amazing episode 15 with you. Okay, it was good talking about, you know. It was a long one, though, huh? No, not really. It was very short, you know. Frankie has the record. You could have beat Frankie. (laughs) Frankie was also part of the 2007 Scorpions, by the way. Right. He said he was a baller. He said he made you look bad at practice. That's what he said. Yeah, he barely played. (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember, I still remember uh, one game. Uh, I think he was with the Scorpions in 2007 and 8, and then he transferred back to Munich. And uh, in practice, the two years before, we always talked crap when it was press rush. And I don't know how it started, but but I, I uh, did like a frog every time before the snap. I don't know why. I just looked at him and whack. <laughs> uh, and I, I remember when the American in Munich got injured, Frankie came on the field. We were up big time. And so he was setting up like for, for the snap. I was like, quack. <laughs> we both had to laugh that hard. And, and then I sacked him like one or two times. It was a great game. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's hilarious. No, but anyhow. I hate, I hate playing guys I know. I hate it. Why? I also want to take names. Like you said, not just DBs okay. do that. <laughs> I want to play with anger. And if I, if I know the guys, it's, it's different. You can still do that against your buddies. That's okay to do. Yeah, but it's different. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, of course, I, I, I try to kick their ass then, but on a different level, you know? <laughs> it's fun, though. Dirty though. tricks. Just, just, call it, just call them dirty tricks. I would not pull on guys I know. <laughs> no. But anyhow, I appreciate having you on. It was a pleasure. You know, I'll, I'll let you or we'll let you get back to your, to your thesis paper because you probably have to get that done. You know? I should. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, uh, wish you a, a wonderful day, and then we'll stay in touch, okay? Same. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, no problem. Have a good one. I don't know.